Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Welcome to Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Yes. What's more important than Hollywood right now? <laughs> I am Jesse Gaskell, and I'm a writer on The Conan Show. This is Mike Sweeney. I, coincidentally, am also a writer on The Conan Show, which works out well. And today we have a great guest, uh, Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall, who we'll be talking to in a few minutes. Yes, a Canadian, which I'm very jealous of right now. Because full disclosure, we are recording this on Wednesday, November 4th. So we still do not have a decision in our presidential election at this point. A lot of the writers predicted exactly what's happening today. Yeah, it is. I have to say, as someone who has had to write a comedy sketch today, it's very difficult to be writing comedy during this. I just want everyone in our country to get along. You and the Gap... <laughs> That's right. The, the Gap tweeted about the election today, right? Yeah. Did you discover that? I I did. And it was a, a sweatshirt, a hoodie that was half blue and half red. And it just said something like, you know, no matter what your beliefs, we can all come together today and move forward. And it was like... And then the writers were joking that you know, if you wore that, you, both sides would beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yes. Anyway, by the time... This podcast comes out. Everything will be great. Everything will be resolved. It will all be fixed. Yes. We'll all be wearing Gap sweatshirts. Exactly. Everyone will be freed up to listen to this podcast <laughs> uh, where we talk to someone from Canada. Uh, we do. It is fun to talk to Scott, though. Um, the kids in the hall obviously are comedy icons. Yes. Sketch comedy icons. And they're coming back for a revival of their series. And also a producer on our show, Jeff Ross, our executive producer, was a producer on the original Kids in the Hall. He yeah, worked on I that had show. no idea. Yeah. When that wrapped, he came to work on uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, a brand new show at the time. But that's so cool. Anyway, we had a fun time talking to Scott Thompson. Here's our interview with Scott. Hello, Scott. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, good. Thanks for doing the show. Our first big question is, where are you? I'm in my little office in Toronto. Oh, okay. I've been here ever since this all began. I came here back home in, in February. had a feeling things might, you know, go a little sideways. Huh. You had information our president didn't have. Well, <laughs> in a way, I had a dream. And, you know, I, <laughs> and I went, this is a bad one. I had my apartment rented out for years. And then I yeah. thought, 
I'm going to come back for a bit because the kids in the hall were rebooted. Right. And we're going to do it all here. So I came back in February. Wait, so I'm about to give you extra credit for being that prescient to know to go back. Did you go back because of COVID? You had a hunch or was it because of kids in the hall? It was before. It was about the kids in the hall. It was a coincidence. Kids in the hall is coming back, which is super exciting. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, it's unbelievable. I've waited. Honestly, I've been waiting for this since we since the end of the kids in the hall. (laughs) When are we going to reboot, guys? (laughs) I would never have ended. Right. Yeah. You know, it's when you're young, you kind of think, oh, I'll find this over and over and over again. We all know that doesn't happen. It almost never happens once. So, you know, now I look back on it and I would say to any youngster, hang on, well past, you know, well past the best due date. Oh, hang on until your fingertips are bleeding. Overstay, you're welcome, yes. Yeah, and then hammer your hands to the wall. Never let go. You don't need your hands, but you need the spotlight. (laughs) That sounds like really great advice. (laughs) Well, no, I love to hear that, though, because a lot of people start out with a group of peers and, you know, they're just making stuff. And it's sort of your most pure creative form at that time because you're not hindered by like, okay, we're self-editing or we're worried about what, you know, a a network wants or something. And so and you you had that really early on. Yeah. And when you think of the world we're in today, this is the world of self-editing 20. Yes. Seven. Wow. It's a difficult world for people without too many, you know, limits. It's difficult. When you thought that your job as a comedian was to say the unsayable and make it funny, and then you discover, no, those aren't <laughs> jokes. Those are microaggressions. Right. Then you go, oh, it's time to study philosophers. Right. Well, but now you have to take, I mean, obviously you're writing tons of new stuff, but all of those comedy pieces you guys established in the early 90s, I, you have to look at through the prism of 2020. That's got to be like, hmm. It's really mostly other people who say you can't do that. Right. We so never say that. Good. Did you have to hire a real chicken lady to play the chicken lady? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you can't crush people's heads. That's murder. It, it's... um. For anybody in comedy, it's difficult. But we're also blessed because I feel like we're our entire career in many ways is blessed and cursed at the same time. Like it's like that old saying, you know, may you live in interesting times, it's a blessing and a curse. And that's like us. Like we thought, wow, how we're allowed to find to have a say again. And then, boom, it all falls apart. But imagine as comedians like us to be allowed to comment during this time that's really a gift yeah that's great it's a gift and yeah i tell myself that when i think wow i'm so cursed you know because i realize the only thing i can control is my reaction to it right i am now just trying to control my reaction to things and go it's just how you look at it and also it it sounds like an actual fun challenge Very. to kind of reinvent stuff you already established for the present day. Yes. And, you know, and to bring characters from then into now. Right. And to create new characters mm-hmm. and, and just to, you know, to be able to be, to be able to go into all the things that really upset people and all the things that confuse and bedevil people and to be allowed to make comic hay with that is, 
is all I've ever wanted to do. Well, I'm curious about in Canada. Yes. Does the sense of what you can get away with, does it seem much different than the United States? It's much worse. Oh. Oh, much worse. Oh, no, no. We're much further along. (laughs) Much more advanced. You're well on your way to becoming Canada. That's a relief. Uh, no, no, Canada is a you know Canada is a very different country. Yes. If you are a kind of a person like me, who's kind of a I wouldn't say a contrarian, but someone that kind of who likes to push back, a provocateur. Yeah, and never accepts the status quo or or do you know what I mean as that. Mm-hmm. I come from a socialist country, so if I'm going to push, I'm not an American. Like if I was an American comedian, I would push back differently. Mm-hmm. Like some of the things that we push back on, people will go, "Wow, they're not what we thought." But that's because we're not Americans, and, and so often the people that are trying to stop us here in terms of stop us, I mean, our comedy because we're like we're such assholes about comedy that we really just believe that it's i would they might not say um a holy kind of but i would i'd say it's like it's a battle a holy battle so the people that are trying to hold us back look very differently here does that make sense yes because i've also discovered that there will always be a certain subset of people that are uncomfortable with comedians and they can come from the left, they can come from the right, they can come from anywhere. And you just have to always have your eyes open. We just go back and forth, back and forth. And the comedian's job is to kind of try to to not be caught up in what you, I don't know what the word is, your own agenda. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. Should we uh, talk about Scott's first appearances on Late Night? Yeah. Oh, yes, sure. Because, you know, technically we like to tie things into the Conan show. And you started appearing right when uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien started, which was back in the fall of 93. You were a guest. Had you ever been on a talk show before? No, that was my first time on a talk show. Oh, wow. That's great. Like, do you remember, like, oh, God, do I, I need to prepare for it? Do I have to have material? I don't remember. I just remember uh, talking to Frank Smiley endlessly. Uh, <laughs> That's what everyone remembers. <laughs> yeah, I just like, well, I can't wait to see this guy in real life. Oh, because you talk, you were you up in Canada at the time? And Frank Smiley, yeah, he was, uh, and he still is, uh, a guest producer on our show. So he, he does pre-interviews with guests. He did Michelle Obama uh, last week, yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, so. <laughs> Say hi to him for me. I will tell him you said hi. I just didn't quite realize how much pre- preparation went into a talk show appearance. Right. Because I was used to Canadian talk shows where there's no there's no prep. Oh, real? Is that is that true? There, you just kind of show up? Not like you guys know. Nothing's like that. Yeah. We don't really have a talk show any longer. Haven't for many years. We have 48. I know. We should send <laughs> 20 of them north. And here's the sad part is I don't host any of them. Yeah, that's a crime. That's crazy. Can you sing karaoke? That would be perfect. Of course I can sing karaoke. Yeah. <laughs> so I just remember how much fun it was. I think I did Tanya Harding, right? The first time? Was that the first time or not? Oh, wow. Right. Because one of the early bits on the show was Conan and Andy would kind of make a made-for-TV movie yeah. about a, a big story in the news. And back then it was Nancy Kerrigan and the Tanya Harding controversy. I think they did the whole sketch live. Did you play Tanya Harding? I played Tanya Harding, of course. Yes. Yeah, so. I'm not sure if that was my first, but it might have been the very first. Okay. The first time on, it was in a sketch, and then later yeah, on... Yeah, the first time it was in a sketch, and then maybe okay. that's when they said he might be a good guest as well. Right. Because maybe I was chatty. 
<laughs> and he, he can balance on skates. I always remember your entrance, right? Weren't you teeter-tottering on? I definitely can walk on skates. Like, yeah, oh, of course. We have to skate. Yeah, you can't graduate from high school. No, no, no. Absolutely no. not. You're, you're killed in the crib if you can't skate. <laughs> if you don't have the right feet. If you're not born with skates. Got a club foot here. <laughs> so then you start being a, a guest on the show and... You were on a lot, so that had to be... I've always, I had a wonderful time doing the Conan show. I, I actually, that was always my goal as a child. I, I wanted to be a dramatic actor. Uh-huh. And I wanted to appear on talk shows and be a very funny guest. Uh-huh. I never wanted to be a comedian. I thought that would be the perfect balance. So I got one right. <laughs> well, it's not too late to be a dramatic actor. That could happen. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, you've done some dramatic acting. You were on Hannibal. Oh, that's true. Hannibal is arguably a comedy. <laughs> kind of a black comedy. Um, yeah. it's, both. it's definitely a dramatic show. but um, And also, I mean, another comedy, but still it was required great acting was the Larry Sanders show. Yes. That was absolutely, that was a real um, acting workshop for me. Yeah, I would think. Gary was very skilled at coaxing a comedian into acting. Yeah, because would he be very hands-on in terms of, Directing? Very. I mean, there was, you know, wonderful directors. Right. But there was one where Gary actually directed my character, Brian, in an episode that sort of focused on Brian a, a bit. Uh -huh. He was great that way. But no, he would definitely at the beginning. I mean, I wanted to be an actor from day one. Like, right. It wasn't like I didn't know how to act. It's just that I, I'd been so, a comedian for so long and with the kids that I, I overemphasized everything and I stepped up right. everything. You had to rein it in a bit for these yes, other parts. And, and his basically, he, his number one thing was, just say it. Uh -huh. Don't just say it. <laughs> Don't make it funny. It's funny. <laughs> I, 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 what? Don't I have to give it? <laughs> <laughs> you let me do it my way. So lose the tap shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. While you were doing that show, you were appearing as a guest because they were kind of happening contemporaneously. But I got that gig because of Conan. Oh. Oh. Well, I mean, it was the kids in the hall as well, because Gary right. was a fan of the kids in the hall, but it was really, Gary said it was when he saw me on Conan that he thought I could act like and be myself. Oh. It was the Conan appearances that made Gary hire me for Larry Sanders. I kind of love that. Like, it's interesting. He saw you in Kids in the Hall playing these, you know, big characters. Characters, yeah. But it's almost like you had to do this separate audition, which you didn't even realize you were doing by being yeah. just yourself. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and Brian isn't like me. I mean, right. he isn't like me. Um, the only thing we have really in common is we're both gay and both Canadian. Canadian, right. We're really not that alike. It was him and Judd Apatow, the, the two of them, and they both had seen it, and they both, that, so they decided that, they decided to do it. There was no audition. That The audition was Conan, as you said, and they just brought me in, and um, they found me in Turkey, and... Uh, I beg your pardon. <laughs> what? <laughs> you were in Turkey when you got the call? You were trying not to be found. Yeah, I was, a, I was in a hammam, like a Turkish bath. Oh, I, I was... The guy came up to me and I'm like, oh, that's what I'm looking for. Sir, there's a phone call for phone you. Phone call yes. for Mr. Scott. <laughs> Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott. <laughs> so that's what happened. <laughs> that's a great showbiz story. It is. I mean, I was vacationing, but my vacation wasn't over. But I thought, well, I'm, this, this would be cool. Because right. I was obsessed with Larry Sanders. I really couldn't believe right. they would walk me on the show. It was incredibly easy. 
I didn't do anything. And the truth is, I everything I've ever gotten, I've never, nothing I've auditioned for, I've ever gotten. Right. That's yeah. Funny. So often it's just through people you know who are making something and and word of mouth yeah. And, and yeah they just feel like they know you and they've seen what you've done so it's like oh you'd be perfect for this that was a fun fun time but yeah it was definitely you guys that got me that job thank you oh <laughs> well, i wish i could take credit <laughs> want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Wow. So you guys are writing for this new Kids in the Hall. I'm guessing, are you doing it over Zoom? Like, are the members spread all over the place? Are some of them still in the United States? When it all fell apart, we had been um, together for almost three weeks. Mm -hmm. So we had already gotten a real good head start on it. And then we didn't, of course, like everybody, when we left the office that day, we, right. we thought we didn't quite realize we wouldn't see each other for a year. We continued to write all through it. We wrote for like three months. Right. So we've overwritten. That's great. You know, if things go well, we have a lot of stuff written if there would be a second season. And one of the things was it was a, it was a very difficult time for many reasons. But um, the upside is that we have all this material. And we were writing it during an incredibly intense period. Yeah. You know, I think with the kids in the hall when we began, the world was going through enormous changes at the end of the 80s, early 90s. The AIDS crisis and Tiananmen Square and um, the end of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Massive, massive changes that were shaking the world. And also political correctness was really beginning its stranglehold and uh, well, it, i mean now it's a stranglehold then it was just a choke but, <laughs> uh, so we're kind of suited for it you know yeah i think we really are suited for this kind of thing it also is great to have something to keep you that engaged oh, God. during a pandemic it's like okay i feel like my my life has some purpose, you know? Yeah, I need, I could use some deadlines. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't you? Like right now, I'm trying very hard to try to figure out how to get through this winter. Right. I have to set myself get deadlines and goals or I'm going to, it's going to be tough. Right. Well, what's the next step? So you wrote all these sketches. Are you going to be able to start shooting them in Canada soon or? Yeah, uh, but not, not till April. Not till April. Wow. Yeah. So that's, okay. the, that's the tentative date for us to start up. Again. All right. That's because of COVID, but it's also the fact that Bruce is directing a series here called Tallboy. Bruce McCullough. 
and um, Mark is on Superstore. Ah, okay. So they will have to play out now. We couldn't start up now anyways. I mean... It's winter. Yeah, it's winter. Well, the business... Yeah, we shot in the winter time, and that wouldn't be so bad. Like, Hannibal was always shot in the winter. Um, I just watched before this the remote that you did with Conan when the show went to Toronto yeah. in 2004, I think. And I was stunned by how cold it looked. <laughs> it was dramatic. I was on that remote with uh, you guys. Oh, were you? Yeah. You guys picked quite a week. We did. I, I think Conan, like, like he likes that. Like, we've talked about, oh, we should go to, you know, back when you could travel, like do a travel show to Russia. And he's like, yes, but only when it's negative 28 degrees because <laughs> he wants to lean into it. Conan was thrilled, I, I remember. Oh, yeah. The blizzard we were in. Yes. You remember, it, Mike, it was, a, it, it was a blizzard. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. That was a crazy day. Yeah. Well, it looked like you filmed all day long because it was like... We did. We went to the CN Tower. We went to the Badashu Museum. Mm-hmm. We went to the uh, NHL, the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. the NHL Museum. The ice skating rink by City Hall. Didn't they, had they just made gay marriage? Yes. I yeah. think you went in and got, we got a license, I think. Let's be honest. It, it was, Conan can say what he likes, but it was a date. <laughs> it was a t- well, I was going to say that Conan, I mean... I was a chaperone. Having done a lot of remotes with him where he he can tend to be like, all right, let's wrap this up if he's not having fun with the person. But it sounds like he was having a great time with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know it's a day because it ended up with me in nothing but a jock strap. That's right. Stanley Cup. That's right. And he still didn't have sex with me. That's how straight he is. We ended up at a gay bar. And we, we ended up at a gay bar. Yeah. And then, and then we called it a wrap. And then we just hung out there for a few hours. So... <laughs> It was a date, although being at a gay bar, maybe we all had wandering eyes, you know, so we couldn't. That might have been it. Oh, my God. We got a lot in that day. Yeah. Fuck. We got a lot in and uh, we got a good road out of it. Yeah, we did. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was really fun. That week you guys chose was a tough week here. Well, with, with your show, with the kids in the hall, would you guys have to, the first time around, like, would you write stuff that you thought? everyone in all 10 provinces would enjoy or well our show from day one was a show that went all over right and we were writing for americans as well i absolutely think that we were at a time quite flabbergasted at the different things that people censored in different countries and uh i think that kind of i think it kind of threw us when we realized how sensitive americans are over religious things um yes also the difference in terms of sexual things right Canadians. not that canadians are like all libertarian you know they're all like wild right. orgies in the snow <laughs> america's is an oddly strangely enough puritanical nation yeah at its heart and religion has never been separated you talk a good game it's written in the constitution but mm-hmm. it's never really been real it's only real on paper yeah that's the only part of the constitution we ignore all the rest is like by the letter you buy the letter <laughs> yeah <laughs> No. Were there other countries besides America where you're like, wow, like how about in England? I would imagine. Well, it, this, is, this is the real tragedy of us. We never really took off in England. Huh. We never really took off in the whole United Kingdom. We were convinced that we'd be big there. That's what I just watching some old sketches. I was like, oh, they, this seems like a natural 
lots of Americans thought we were British. So, like, what? Because they couldn't quite figure out what it was. Like, it's what is? It can't be American. It right. must be British or Australian or something. Right. What, right. What is that? What is that accent? It's driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We never really had the right platform in England. Right. We were on Channel 4 very briefly, like in the morning. Oh, that doesn't help. But we did take off in many other places, very odd places. We are big in some surprisingly strange places. Oh, like where? That's always fun to find where where you're simpatico with. Greece, Turkey, again, Chile, like South America a lot. Brazil, really, Peru, mm -hmm. very big in South America. I don't think we're big in Australia, another weird thing, like, what? But they also like to make fun of the queen. (laughs) I think that what will happen when when Amazon, because they bought our entire library, I think we will suddenly be known in a lot of different, in those places. And um, I'm very excited about that. That is exciting. It's exciting to rev things back up. It really is. Because the truth is, the kids in the hall have not really been available. We haven't been on any network or television or streaming anywhere. Yeah, it's like you have to buy the DVD collection, basically. Yes. So I think we're, I think we're actually now practically unknown again. So I think when we come back, it'll be like, oh, like where did they come from? Yeah, look at these underdogs. <laughs> I'm rooting for those kids. Exactly. It's the new K-pop boys. Their clothes seem dated. Yeah, their clothes seem dated. They didn't age well, but they still got Or it. they're not dated because now everything old is new again. I think it's a great plan. It's almost like, hey, let's put this in a vault. And when it comes out again, it's going to be exciting. It'll feel fresh. Yeah. And also, it'll come out into a time where people go, you can't do that. <laughs> That's right. You can't. They did what? People lose <laughs> their minds. Just keep flashing the year underneath, like 1993, 1993. I don't even care. I welcome it. I can't yeah. wait. Because the thing, oh. Well, it's all buzz. Yeah, here he goes. That's so, right. I think no the bad press. Of our plank of, of, our, of our master plan was we all agreed, don't any of us get too big. And... Um, <laughs> We've done it. Good foresight. Yeah. (laughs) Because we were like, if we don't get too successful, we'll still be hungry when the spotlight comes back. And all of our other rich and famous friends will be bloated corpses sitting in their mansions. (laughs) Well, Scott, it's it's time for us to wrap up with you. But uh, we always like to ask our guests at the end um, for a piece of advice you might offer to a, a youngin out there who's trying to get their comedy career started? Well, this is a very, it's a practical one. Yeah. But one of the things I've learned that, you know, it's great to be first at something, but there's no money in it. The money only comes from being third. Okay. Huh. <gasps> that's my advice. And, and actually, second's the worst. I was going to ask about second place. Yeah. Then you're being compared to the first one. Yeah. And you won't have the money and you won't have the credit. So it's either first or third. You have to make a choice of what you're going to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Scott. This was such a pleasure. Thanks, Scott. It was great chatting. Can't wait to see the new kids in the hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, We'll say hi to Frank. Great. Bye bye. All right. That was Scott Thompson. That was Scott. He's safely tucked away in Toronto. Yes, and nice and cozy in his home. We can't even visit him. I looked into it. We can't visit him. (laughs) I am marrying him, though. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Does he know about it? <laughs> he doesn't need to know. No, he doesn't. We've got a fan question. We do. It's a voicemail. Hi, Jesse and Mike. Uh, this is Jeff from Milwaukee. Uh, I've been a huge fan since the early days of Old Olsen and Joel Goddard, and the show was uh, really influential to me during my formative years. Um, I have two questions. One, were there ever any bits or characters you were sure would bomb that ended up being successful or recurring, or any you were sure would kill but ended up bombing? And second, I'd uh, love to see some behind-the-scenes features or outtakes of Conan during COVID. Are you guys planning on doing any scraps pieces for the show during quarantine? Uh, thanks so much. Love you guys, and thank you for keeping us all entertained during the pandemic and providing a little glimmer of light during these dark times. Thanks again, and take care. Love you guys. Oh, Jeff, I'm. is it weird to say I love you too? <laughs> Jeff, thank you for that great question. From the great city of Milwaukee. In the great state of Wisconsin. Well, what are scraps usually? We should explain what that is. They're outtakes from the Conan show. Because usually we rehearse everything and that gets filmed and sometimes things go off the rails. Yeah, we started putting them online. They're usually blooper outtakes from rehearsals. Yeah, and it's very loose and Conan and Andy usually riff about things and make fun of the writers a lot. Uh, that is a very accurate insight into how rehearsal goes the thumping <laughs> of the writers continuously but jeff was asking if we're going to post any scraps from the quarantines i'm confused because i sort of think our whole show is a scrap right now <laughs> we don't really do a rehearsal so it's just it's true yeah like the other day you came in and uh the set had been burglarized and it's like okay that's that's the top of the show to, today that normally would have been a scrap, maybe, on the old show, but not now. Jeff also mentioned, uh, he said he loved the uh, Oldie Olson and Joel Goddard, and those are references to two gentlemen from the late night with Conan O'Brien years. Uh, Oldie Olson was in a lot of comedy sketches, and Joel Goddard was the announcer for the show. Yeah. Uh, the entire time the show was in New York City, up till 2008. They were both hilarious, but he asked... About characters that were, can you think of any any that you thought were going uh, to be that I hilarious was, and then bombed? Or well, there's versa? probably a lot of those, but I think I've probably blocked them out of my memory. Can you think of anything? Oh, there were some characters that the writers really liked, and I don't even remember if they did well the first time. But we brought them back anyway because Conan liked them and the writers liked them. The FedEx Pope comes to oh, mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a character Brian McCann started doing late at night in the writer's room. Because there's an empty FedEx box in the head writer's <laughs> room. So he just put it on his head and he goes, look, guys, I'm the FedEx Pope. And we're like, ah, oh, my God, you've got to do that on the show. But no, he just walked out in a bathrobe and the, the he'd shove a FedEx hat on his head as if it were the you know the Pope's mitre, and I think Conan will go here. He is our new character, the always disappointing FedEx Pope, and <laughs> he would just walk through, and it was just a quick visual. He didn't say anything, and it, I think the crowd just loved it. I don't know if they loved it. It doesn't matter if they did or not. I can't remember, but we brought it back. It it seemed bulletproof to us. It was just 
<laughs> very, very funny. Th- those are her favorite things, things that the right because he he probably did the FedEx Pope in the writers' room for like a month. Yeah. Before it ended up on the show, I mean Conan's string dance, you know that string dance. He did did that for a couple of years in the writers' room. Oh, really? Yeah, and then and he was doing it. It was like bad on purpose. Yeah. Someone goaded him to do it. <laughs> and so he snuck it into a monologue one night and the crowd, we were all like, oh God, the crowd <laughs> loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it never went away. Well, that's really the ultimate answer to this question. Yes. The character of Conan, we all thought was going to bomb, but then it killed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Uh, if anyone else wants to call in, it's so fun when you do. Our voicemail is 323-209-5303. Thanks, Jeff. You can also email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. And that's the show for the week. Bye. Bye. We like you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Jen Samples. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Supervising producers are Kevin Bartelt and Aaron Blayart. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>